Good afternoon. I am your host, Hunter Sigona. And I am also your host, Sean Rincunis. And welcome to Music Speaks, the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts one person's life. Hunter and I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. Here's a musical quote for today. Music is a language that doesn't speak in particular words. It speaks in emotions. And if it's in the bones, it's in the bones. Keith Richards. So let me introduce today's guest on Music Speaks, Catherine Condi, soprano, will be the K-12 through general music and choral teacher in the Northumberland School District starting this fall. Condi graduated from Ithaca College in the spring of 2018 with a master's in music in vocal performance under the tutelage of Patrice Pastore. In her time at Ithaca College, Condi sang for esteemed artists and teachers such as Graham Johnson, Martin Katz, Stephanie Blythe, Joseph Olafirowitz, Susan Ashbaker, and was showcased in the residency of John Musto, Amy Burton, and the Cincinnati Art Song Initiative in the fall of 2019. Condi played the role of Spring and was in the chorus of Ithaca College's 2020 main stage production of Dido and Aeneas. She performed in numerous scenes as part of Ithaca College's opera workshop class, including the partial roles of Norma, Norma, a female chorus, The Rape of Lucretia, Governess, Turn of the Screw, Meg, Falstaff, and Elisetta, Il Matrimonio Segreto. Condi completed her undergraduate studies at Hartwick College in music education studying voice with Stephen Nanni. At Hartwick College, she was awarded the Al Galadoro Award for Excellence in performance for both the 2015 and 2018 school years. She was a faculty scholar and honors student graduating with department distinction. At Hartwick, Condi established herself as an accomplished grant writer, receiving a Foreman grant to present a celebration of Asian Pacific culture, Filipino music and language with Hartwick professor Fidelis Cambo and received an Emerson grant to study music administration in Florence, Italy. Condi was also awarded an arts grant to study American vernacular music in Hartwick's Paul F. Cooper archive, later presenting this information at the National Archives in Washington, DC. So, Sean, how do you know the guest for today? It's funny you say, um, I first met her through Zoom, and one of our first encounters together is, um, I wanted to say, uh, I was wearing a brown shirt in a brown room, and she remembers me from that specific moment in time, which is really funny, I I swear. Um, (laughs) And when she came to meet me, She was like, oh, you were that guy who was wearing that brown shirt in that brown room. I'm like, yep, that was me. I was in my mom's room and I was singing to class. And ever since then, uh, we've had a really strong relationship. And um, I kind of actually help her for helping me uh, continue my relationship with my girlfriend at the time um, and now together um, for two years. And um, I'm over excited to sit down with her and talk to her today. All right, that's very cool. Without further ado, I'd I'd now like to welcome Catherine to our podcast. Hey, Katie, how you doing? Good, how are you, Sean? I'm great. 
So we have a lot to talk about today, but the first thing we want to talk about is the first thing you mentioned in your bio is that you got a new job. So congratulations on your new job. Let's talk about how did that go about? Um, so it was actually the first job I applied to um, early in March, I think. It was, I just was like, you know, start going, start applying for stuff. Um, and I had done a few interviews before I did an interview with them. Um, they kind of took their time. I think with everything with COVID, they just wanted a little bit of time. But I interviewed on a Wednesday and I got offered the job on Thursday. Um, the interview was awesome. They were super excited to talk about world music and my love of music and excited. It, the school is is very small, so um, it was interesting because that's kind of what I come from. So it was nice to talk to them about what they do in their school district, and there was a nice ebb and flow. And then uh, they offered me the job the next day. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. So I want to mention to our listeners at home that um, we actually met on Zoom. The first yes, time we met was on Zoom, yeah. And I was mentioning this to Hunter yesterday that we have this really funny story that you love to tell people that when we first met, we took higher ed together. Higher education being like, what do you do in higher education? I was, I was so glad to take that class, but I felt bad for the rest of you because you guys were basically like music education majors taking the same education class you've been taking for the last four years. Yeah. So I came into the class and funny. of course I was wearing a brown sweater that day and it was in my mom's room and the lights were off. And I think most people are like, hey, weren't you that guy that was like that like brown sweater guy, but like the, like the whole room was brown. So you looked like, you know, like the shadow was on you. So it like you had the same color. I, I just thought that was really funny. What do you remember from some of that experience? And going on, I mean, then we had to know each other at that point because I mean, you, you knew Mimi, I knew Mimi, um, and then off when our lives, I mean, for that past two years. What do you remember from the beginning of that? Um, yeah, so it's funny, because I really distinctly remember you, Monica, and Mimi. Um, I remembered Monica because she was the other singer, so that was helpful. Um, and I remembered Mimi because she just has a personality that sticks out. She She's really open to asking questions and stuff, and I'm pretty shy about that stuff, especially early on. So. I remembered Mimi and that she was from Maryland. And then I remembered you because the it was like there was a filter of brown. <laughs> um, the sweatshirt was brown, the room was brown, your hair is brown. Um, and so I just cracked up because it was like the most dull image <laughs> and then everybody's like in color. And then Sean was in all brown. Um, but I think it was a really great jumping off point when we all met up that first meeting and I remembered Mimi and she sat near me and then we were like, oh, the brown shirt guy. <laughs> and every time you wear that brown sweater, I'm like, oh, Sean. <laughs> so, I mean, I honestly think taking that class was a great thing just so we could meet each other and have funny memories like that. Yeah. Although the curriculum sucked and we can move on to the next thing. We'll let, we'll let Hunter <laughs> talk about his next question. Hunter? <laughs> Well, speaking of curriculum, you know, how did you get started in the music field? Did you do it in elementary as part of the, you know, like most kids are sort of indoctrinated into the, you know, general music as a 
as an elementary schooler? Um, well, yes, but um, from a very, very young age, I sang all the time. Um, I think my mom is a, a, a church pianist slash organist, and she always sang, and she practiced in our guest room, and so I was always like, play the song I can sing to. Um, my whole family sings in the car a ton. We get in the car and turn the music right up and sing. So it was just super early for me. And um, music was always really in my ear. I, I started harmonizing from a really young age and just kind of loved to make music. And my uncle is a guitarist, so I would go sing with him. And um, my mom had an old saxophone. So I learned that in like second grade and then band happened. And then I was pretty much sold because I, I just loved that it was like a second language for me. And um, I got to express myself and be the little diva that I was meant to be <laughs> from that little age. Um, yeah. So, I mean, having music in school only helped because it gave me another place to do what I love to do, except this time there was people to watch me besides my family. So, um, yeah. And that's so important, isn't it? To have that exposure outside. I mean, we spend most of our lives in the school arena, right? But, um, if it's not at home, sometimes it doesn't affect people as much. You know, they do it in school because it's there, but if it's at home, it's, it can become part of your life. Yeah. So I think you're, you're very lucky because a lot of people don't get that experience of, of where it's everywhere around you that you can't help but be a part of it. Yeah. Sean, back to you. So something I actually didn't know about you, Katie, was that you got your Emerson grant when you went to Hartwick and you went to study music admin in Florence, which is incredible. Let's talk about that a little bit. What was that like for you? Um, so that internship kind of evolved with time. Um, my voice teacher was good friends with Janine, the person that I studied with there, and he made that connection. I mean, I was studying a lot of opera, so he was like, if you're gonna go anywhere for anything, you should at least just go to Italy just to immerse yourself in the culture that you've done a lot of studying in. So that's kind of how I got started with picking Florence. And then Janine was there and she is a linguist. Um, so she teaches um, people in Florence how to speak English, how to speak French, German. Um, she works for a lot of businessmen and women, um, teaching them, you know, basic phrases for when they have these abroad meetings and things. Um, and so when I went, it was a lot of talk about, um, oh, she's also a retired opera singer. She oh. sang for Tri-Cities Opera. Um, and she unfortunately lost her voice, like randomly, there's no science behind it, nothing wrong with her vocal cords. But she just stopped being able to really sing. So that's why she ended up doing the language thing. Cause I mean, she's a singer, she's learned all these languages. Um, and so that was kind of why it worked because she was a singer at the time. Um, so I went and I talked a lot with her about programming and what the programming looks like in Florence. Um, she also goes into schools and teaches kids English. Um, she's their English teacher and she uses music basically as the vehicle for most of her lessons. Um, so she's singing and having them sing. They know like Sweet Caroline and stuff like that. They know all those classic um, songs that we know 
because they're an easy segue for them to kind of get into the language. And she helped me with my diction. She helped me with my recital programming. Um, it was kind of just a mix of everything, a lot of conversation um, and just observing. It was really cool to go in and see the schools and what they do there. Um, yeah, I didn't end up having like a program or anything there, but it was mostly just to learn and to soak up as much information from her as I could while I was there and, and see what Italy is like and see what the arts are like there. Sure. In Italia. In Italia, like, like Hunter said, um, I think there's something important to also mention that you also did a trip to the National Archives when you did a presentation on your collection of American vernacular music. Um, were you nervous? Were you excited? And what was it like? I, I was nervous because um, the music is from a time when there could be a reason why books were put together. Or it could have just been an old fashioned binder. And mm -hmm. the books that I was studying, um, there was four books in the um, archive of um, two sisters that we don't know where they're from even. There's, there's not a lot of record, but we've got these books for some reason in the Hartwick archive and somebody had already cataloged all the songs. So mm -hmm. what my job was to do was kind of figure out like, why are these together? Is there a rhyme and reason? Is this just an old fashioned binder? What's cool about this? Um, and kind of the conclusion I had come to was it's pretty much just bound music. Like what we have now in our piles of music we have that these girls sang together in their parlor and they played piano. Most of the piano works were not super challenging. Um, very, I mean, it's parlor music essentially. And a lot of times they were organized by like songs about the sea <laughs> and then <laughs> songs about war and stuff like that. And then other books, like there was one book in particular that was just really random. Um, but what was cool about it is I got to look at all the beautiful artwork that used to be on the covers of the music and just see what, what music they were doing that, you know, what we do now, we play Adele, right? But they were playing these marches and things in their home for their parents and for company. Um, so when I went to do my little presentation at the, at the archives. The guy was like, did you find, this is basically a glorified binder. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and we we just laughed about it and we talked about how many people have come in with these books and they wanted mm -hmm. to find this amazing information and in the end we don't really know because there was nothing about it and it was probably a binder but he allowed me to go look at some really beautiful Bellini scores while I was there he let me take photos of them um, with my iPhone in a flash um, <laughs> <laughs> but he he just we just had a great talk and he, when I gave my presentation later that year or the next year, um, he was like, you know, just, just try to inspire people with the music and share what you found from these books. And that's what you can do. Just make it like a nice chamber um, parlor-esque concert. And that's what I ended up doing. And it was really cool to get to chat with him. How do you know the two women were sisters? Sorry, Sean. Sorry, They're okay. both they both have the same last name and we just assumed, but could have not been sisters. I, I found a family that I think they might have been related to that lived in the Catskills. Um, but 
it's hard to say. We just assumed they were sisters. <laughs> Hunter? Oh, um, so obviously, you know, you, you look to the past, you see these people that you study. And uh, like you said, today we play different people. Well, when you were growing up, you were surrounded by all this music. There were always idols around. Uh, those two women in the past, they probably had idols they looked to. I'm sure Adele had her own idols. But did you have an idol that you sort of geared yourself towards? I mean, it could have been a family member, but perhaps someone who wasn't, um, who you said like, you know, they're impressive. I maybe try to emulate what they do or just maybe I want to be like them. Yeah. Um, so... I think my first big uh, singer, female singer that I was idolizing from a very, very young age um, was Leanne Rimes. She just was like a huge inspiration to me because she was, she started very young and she had this, this beautiful, powerful voice. And I had a powerful voice at the time. And so, um, well, I still have a powerful voice, but <laughs> I was belting. I wasn't singing opera. Um, and wow. I thought I sounded a lot like her and so it it fit for me I could sing all of her music and it felt like cheesecake it was so easy and creamy and awesome um and that's how it felt and so I sang a lot of her music and then I kind of started branching out more and I found that country singers in general were kind of where my voice really did well um and then like Kelly Clarkson came along and I was singing Kelly Clarkson and um, people with big voices who could belt. So that was kind of where I went. So like you got Faith Hill and Shania Twain and the Dixie Chicks. My first ever performance was Wide Open Spaces by the Dixie Chicks. And it was just invigorating because I felt like I could just sing and tell a story. Um, and that's what country music does. And I know a lot of people have an issue with country music, but I think a lot of country music divas do a great job of showing real vocal talent. So that's kind of where I started with it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's it, part of it, I think, is, all, is exactly what you said, right? It's, you know, as humans, we want to be understood, right? We want to feel like people get where we're coming from. And if you find a singer who, you know, you can sing like them or their music fits well with your voice, I think, I mean, obviously they don't know it, but you feel connected to them and it's comforting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And country music itself is known to be comforting. I don't know if you would agree with that, but um, I would assume so because you seem to like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say then that, see, I don't know exactly how to ask this question, but is there a vocal style that you specialize in? Um, you, is it opera? I mean, would you say, because you mentioned you belt it, you use belt voice a lot when you were young. Is there one you prefer over the other? Um, it's hard. I When I went to undergrad, it was the first time I ever sang classically or started to study classically. And um, the very first song I sang was Lungi del Caro Bene. And I oh. felt so much like warmth and creaminess. I always think about like chocolate when I think about singing opera. <laughs> I know I keep using foods, but that's kind of how I feel. Like it, like it, hits, it hits the sweet spot for me. And I was like, oh, this feels really good. I was in high school. I was told I was mezzo. And when I got to college, she's like, no, you're a soprano. You're a high soprano. And it will feel <laughs> great to sing up high for you. And so once I learned how to do it, and once I was 
being trained to do so and given the right repertoire, I was like, this is easy. Mm. And it feels, feels good. Um, and so it's hard to say because I kind of stepped away from pop music and country music um, when I was an undergrad because I really wanted to focus in on this new awesome thing. I was still doing it, but I felt it kind of slipping away a little bit, how it felt. It, it doesn't feel the same anymore, but um, since COVID happened, I have sung so much country music um, just to relax myself and bring myself back to like that childhood self of being I'm, I'm home and it's just where I I sang so much karaoke here um and that's what I've been doing and it feels great so I think it just it just depends because I still love to rip out an aria when I'm stressed out too so it kind of just depends I like to sing fast runs and up high so as long as I can do that I'm living <laughs> yes. it sounds like a good time <laughs> <laughs> but it's good because you're you're in your tastes and your talents seem to span a very large period of time and it gives you a lot of options you'll never be bored <laughs> yeah you know what i mean so uh actually that leads good into sean's next question so this is a question i've been starting to ask a lot of people on the show is now looking back at every generation of music uh if if, if you had to talk to sit talk to someone anyone who would it be and what would you want to talk about who would I want to talk about? Or who, who, who would you want to talk to in the history of music? Oh, that's so hard. Because there's a lot of people living who I'd love to chat with. Hmm. Oh, that's hard. I think, I think if I could talk to a classical, I'm going to pick two. Sorry, I cheated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think if I could talk to a classical singer, I would want to talk to Maria Callas because oh, I feel like yeah. she is not the most beautiful singer that has ever lived or anything like that, but she just has the most raw emotion on stage and in her performing. And I would just love to pick her brain about how she lets go and how she finds herself so deep in a character that there might be a crack or something, but, it, but the audience member is not going to go, Oh, Maria Collins cracked again. They're just like, <laughs> yes, it's so raw. Um, and it, and the ugly is so beautiful. Like even when there's weird vowels and stuff, it just, it's just so, in my opinion, so beautiful. And so I, I'd, I'd love to talk to her about that. Um, but if I could talk to someone living, I'd love to talk to Leanne Rhymes still. She's still very much somebody that I just, I just think her voice is, like an alien, like somebody at the age of 13 should not be able to belt the way she was belting. And I think it was healthy for the most part. And, and so just so like clear and beautiful and raw. And I think I would just love to talk to her about her experiences as a young singer. Cause I felt like I went through a lot of the same stuff she did with the voice. And so it would be interesting to see, why didn't you sing something classical? Like, it would have been crazy. She probably would have been a crazy officer uh, if she had done it. So I think those are the people I'd talk to. Hunter? Those are solid choices. Um, <laughs> so I, one thing I have to, just sort of switching gears a little bit. Um, I, one thing I wanted to ask you about your bio was that it said that in Florence, you studied music administration. 
And I don't think I've ever really heard that term before. Could you tell us a little bit about what does music administration entail? So music administration is very broad, um, which is also kind of why that was in the title. (laughs) We can make this work. (laughs) It was very broad. And um, music administration is all kinds of things. It's essentially how I looked at it in my time there was music programming. Why do we program that way? How do we do it? How do you make a performance be a thing? It's, it's, reception afterwards it's how does that all connect um and so for me it it could be a language coach or something like that too um and that's kind of the only music admin stuff I've done besides reserving rooms and stuff in my undergrad um I was I did a an opera camp and I was kind of like a liaison person and that's kind of admin stuff as well Mm -hmm. um but it's it's kind of the logistics behind music and programming and stuff. It's like the music office in a, in a college. Um, that's like, I think I could be completely wrong, but that's how it was explained <laughs> to me. So I'm unsure, but I think that's what it is. <laughs> okay. I just, like I said, I was never sure. I never, I didn't know if it was like the, the physical business side of it, like the non-musical stuff or what, or did, was it something more like that where, you know, the, the coordinator and the, which doing program arranging is sort of more the coordinating aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, I think it is more the like office business side of things. Um, and that when I was talking with the teacher about or the person I studied with, it was a lot of like, should this program be in this venue or when you're in a venue, what's appropriate and stuff like that. And I think that really is like the business side of stuff. You're not planning the music per se, but figuring out how it's going to work and go together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to ask because my two majors are music and Italian. So, you know, um, how did you enjoy your time in Florence? I liked it. I, I really liked Florence. I was there in the off season. So a lot of stuff was closed because I was there in January. Oh yeah. Uh, But it was the cheapest time to go. And if you're getting a grant to go, you might as well (laughs) use your money as wisely as you can. So that's why I took January because it was much cheaper to travel, which meant I could put my my money into like music and stuff. Um, I really enjoyed it. I was by myself. I'm not somebody who does well by myself. Um, (laughs) So I struggled with the, the being alone for a whole month aspect of it. I mean, I was with my teacher, but I went home by myself and I've never traveled abroad. I've not really traveled before. So it was pretty scary um, sometimes, but I did do a lot of exploring. I found an old music shop. The guy would not let me in because I clearly look American. Um, (laughs) And he would lock the door as I would go to it. I tried like, I don't know, three or four times and he locked the door, right? No, no Americans, blah, 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 blah. And um, <laughs> right at the end of my time there, the door was open, like cracked open because someone was buying something in the back room. So I snuck in <laughs> and I started pulling scores because I could see from the window all these beautiful, beautiful, like original scores. And I'm like, I got to go in. I got this <laughs> I have to. music. I'm going to go in. So I, I made my way in and he... He seemed really upset that I was there, except I was like, are these all for sale? And he's like, are you going to buy them? I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy all of them. 
And he's like, what, what, what are you looking for? And I told him <laughs> that I was a coloratura soprano. And um, he was like, who do you like to sing? And I said, I like to sing Bellini. And he pulled all these amazing scores for me. And we had great conversation about it. And I never meet young singers anymore. And I never meet American singers. This is really awesome. And he helped me pick out a bunch of music, gave me a great deal. Um, he actually helped me find one of the instruments I needed for my Filipino grant that I did. Um, oh. And he sold me <laughs> that instrument as well and got me the strings for it, sent them to the US. It was a beautiful time. Um, wow. So he really, he made my experience truly because I would, I would walk by, oh, Bella, and like, eventually he liked me. <laughs> but at first he did not want me in his shop, but it was, it was nice to meet somebody who was curious about me because a lot of the time I was there, nobody talked to me because I'm clearly American, I'm by myself. Um, you know, people aren't really as friendly when it comes to me being an American by myself. <laughs> Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed it. I I love to walk around and explore, and I got to do that by myself, which is really meditative. Um, and so I had a great time, and I got to meet a lot of cool people, so it was awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, Italians can be a little bit, like, when it comes to tourists, a little rough around the edges. Like, I, you know, most are, are nice people. It's just they're very wary. They don't really like a lot of outsiders it's just sort of a cultural thing america yeah. is known to be outgoing and like very overly friendly almost um yeah. but i found that you know they're just they're nice i have a lot of relatives who live in sicily and they're mm -hmm. um you know they're pleasant i mean i speak to them in italian so for them it's uh it, it's it's comforting when you you know speak the same language yeah sure but that's very cool i'm glad you enjoyed your time there yeah and now that we've gone through your bio section. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're gonna start listening to your playlist, which we already have some insight about, but I'm curious to delve a little deeper into it as I'm sure Sean is. Yeah. Cool. And we're taking a break. All right. So back with my friend Katie Condi and Katie the first song on your list is called Waterfalls by the artists TLC uh, who or did you find yourself introduced to TLC um so this song was on a it was probably like now one or something now two mm. you know those albums that's like now we're at like now 247 <laughs> <laughs> My dad had this album in the car and Waterfalls was the first song on the album. And like I said, like we'd hop in the car as kids and we would just start singing. And so this was one of the first songs that I just knew every word. I was all about it. I was like, turn that Waterfall song on, let's go. <laughs> um, and so for me, I, I actually, I thought of this song. It was the first thing I thought of because when I was in grad school in the spring, it came up on a playlist that was playing somewhere else and I was like oh that song is gold I've known that song since I was three um and so um when you asked me I was like yeah that's an all-time favorite like every time I hear it I'm like 
like I just it's just one of those songs that you know in your soul um and so yeah I think it's just one of those lifelong songs for me so I didn't actually know it until I listened to it and I mentioned it to Mimi she's like Sean you don't know this song I'm like she did because she knows it (laughs) (laughs) it's a classic it is it is definitely a classic um now, you mentioned this being at the top of your list. Why else is it? Do you feel like it, it has a nice groove? Do you feel like it sort of fits well? What, what do you like about the song? I, I do. I like that it grooves. I think it just, I like the singer's voice. She's mm. got kind of like a little bit of a raspy voice, and I like that. Um, I think sometimes singers' voices are so clean, and they're auto-tuned in all the things, but I like a voice that's really singing and, like giving you a lot of dynamic and I feel like that voice does that and I like the groove I love I love a song with a good groove I know the list doesn't have a ton but (laughs) I'm just like I I either love a song that I can feel like I can dance to or you know just rock with or that I'm sobbing and belting (laughs) all the things out those are like that's where I'm at (laughs) and like if you looked at my Spotify that's where it's at (laughs) And I, and I love that when you mentioned the artist that you moved your head ever so slightly and then you popped your shoulder a little bit too. Because I think that's the best metaphor for this song. I think it was <laughs> true. Um, the word waterfall sort of plays a role in this song in a way. Like you think about it, it's sort of deep. Like they kind of get into the nitty gritty saying like um, um, waterfalls kind of acts like a tear of some kind or sort of way of sort of um, maybe giving up to something. It, the word waterfall is as simple as it is. It's a water falling from a canyon or some sort of way it's moving down. But what do you sort of take away from the message that they're saying? I mean, like, I'm, and you might not know the lyrics, but wh- what do you, I mean, like, the, and then the song is catchy. I really enjoy the song, but what do you like take away from, from hearing the word waterfall? Um, give me a second to think about the chorus. I think it's just I think what I get from the song is essentially like the grass isn't always greener on the other side like Mm. kind of kind of be good with what you have and see the beauty of it um you don't have to go have all these other things you've got awesome stuff here and I could be totally off but that's kind of what I take from that and I mean, waterfalls are super grand and they're amazing, but like the river and lakes are pretty cool too, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you were starting to sing, I was going to help you out by going, my loneliness. And I was like, crap. No, that's Britney Spears, not DLC. <laughs> but right, I'm still going to thank you for that up. Um, Hunter, you want to take over the next song? Sure. Uh, so you, this is an artist that I can tell you feel deeply connected with, but the song is The Rose by Leanne Rimes. And I have to start by saying that when I was reading the songs on your list, I was reading them out loud and my father was sitting next to me and he was like, oh, this person's got to be my age. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think so. She just graduated from, from college not too long ago. And he was like, but look at the things that she likes. <laughs> because <laughs> it's all like you know his you know the stuff that they grew up with because it was popular yeah. then um so <laughs> I, thought that, I just thought that was funny but the rose by leanne rhymes uh i'm gonna take a gander and say that you like country music is that true yeah i mean i like 
I like classic old country music from when I was growing up. Yeah. Stuff Now is good. I really like a lot of the new female artists, the young female artists that are coming about, but I kind of took a step away from country, I would say when I was like 10 to like only like two years ago, I started listening again, but I would say I'm still a fan, big fan. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of something that was an observation that I made, which was that um, this song, it's sort of the quintessential country sound, but came out sort of just after the the whole country fad had not died out, but you know, 50s was major country sound because it was infused into pop culture. This came after that. So, and that was actually gonna be one of my next questions, which was so many current country artists tend not to stay as country artists. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you could think off the top of your head of any artists who have started as quote unquote country, but then made the change to pop. Can you think of any? Taylor Swift. <laughs> that was fast. Yep. I talk about it with people all the time because I, I really liked her when she was country and now that she's pop, some of her stuff is good, but I, I don't listen to her, but I liked her when she was country and I liked singing her stuff when she was country, but I've never even considered singing any of it now. Mm -hmm. So. And why do you think people make that switch? I think, I think people do it because that's kind of where the money is at potentially at this point. I think country has kind of died out a little bit for young people, at least young people are not, it's not the sound that young people want right now. And um, it's just not popular. So people like Taylor Swift, she already had that young sound a little bit poppy. And so it made it easy for her to go because she made it into the top hits. And, you know, people want what they want. And so she kind of is fitting the mold a little bit. Um, I love when singers don't go fit the mold. Uh, that, those are the kind of people I want to listen to, people who aren't going to go fit the mold. Um, like Lauren Elena, she's a little bit pop sounding, but she's got a great country voice. And that's what I like, even though she's currently a country singer. But she's, I don't know that she's going to make that switch. So she may never be on the top 40s, but she's still going to have a career because there's people like me who have this, like, I want it to still be country. I still want to feel the soul in it. Um, but Taylor Swift kind of sold out a little bit, I think. So I, I know exactly what you mean. And there's something to be said for keeping your, you know, musical integrity, right? I mean, if you start in a specific uh, genre of music presumably it's because that's what speaks to you so there is a certain level of like I said integrity in staying in that field because otherwise like you said it's sort of a sellout do you think Leanne Rimes has done that or do you think she's stayed more because obviously she's still alive yeah I I think at moments she tried to do some pop early in her career like her I guess maybe it's like her third or fourth album, third album maybe, I don't know. Um, but that, the album that The Rose is on is the spiritual album actually. It's a traditional songs, a spiritual album. There's a lot of songs, actually most of the album could be sung in church and it would be very fitting. Um, and I actually have gone through the whole album since quarantine and sang all of the songs from the album at church. Oh really? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a really cool like journey to sing that whole album from my childhood and perform it at church. And everybody's like, I know this song from when I was in high school. And they're like, seven. Um, <laughs> but I think for her, like, she was 13, I think, when she recorded that album. And 
it sounds like old country. Yeah. It has that old country sound, like you were saying, but she was a young person and it was happening like in the 90s. Um, and people liked it because she was kind of fitting what used to be. I think people are doing that still. But I think she has a few songs that are a little more popish, but she sounds like herself. Her voice has never changed. She's She's got that same really rich, big voice. And so even though the song might have like technically more poppy color to it, I still think it's country because she sounds like a country singer and she's still approaching it like a country singer. So that's hard to say. Other people's opinions could be different, but she's had so many like albums that, or a few albums, I guess, that are of old traditional country songs that she remakes and they still sound like that classic sound. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think she dabbles. And is that why you picked this particular song out of her vast catalog or um, was there another reason why the rose in particular? Um, so my grandfather was a musician and um, he was a songwriter and I have never been a songwriter. I've tried so many times. <laughs> I'm just not very good at it. Um, but he, we would go to his house and I would get to sing on his big, huge, giant amp. And I would love it because it sounded like old timey, like sound and I liked it. And he would play with me these songs that he wrote, he'd teach them to me. And um, one of the last times I was at his house before he passed away, I was slipping through his book and he had written down the rose. And I'd already known it from Lillian Ryan. Look. Lee and Rhymes album. So I already loved it and I knew it. Um, and he was like, do you know this song? This is a great song. It's one of my favorite songs. And I was like, yes. And so we made music together and we, we sang together, we sang the rose and um, it ended up kind of being our song. Um, and when he passed, I sang it at his funeral. And it's just kind of one of those songs for me that it just feels like home. It just feels like a great message um and i love flowers and things like that and i love a good like imagery song because i picture it when i'm singing it's very meditative for me to think of what things look like and that's kind of one of those songs and the the last lines of the song just kind of feel like hard things like quarantine or something where you know you just have to be patient because one day you know the seed's gonna grow and it's gonna be a beautiful rose and it's just one of those things that it's gotten me through a lot of hard things and it's brightened a lot of things so I think he's probably the biggest reason I love it but I also just love the message mm -hmm. that's that's a really nice memory to have not a, and not everyone can have that close a connection to a song so it's a you know I'm sure you cherish it as you should um that's very cool and is that a rose behind you I can't tell on that that picture on the wall um, I think it's an orchid. Oh, it's an orchid. I, don't know. Oh. I just painted a random flower. <laughs> oh, you painted it. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, those are my paintings. <laughs> ah, well, they're very good. Thank you. Not that anyone can see them while we're doing this, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but they can hear us. And speaking of hearing us, I'm sure they want to stop hearing me. And back to Sean. <laughs> well, this next one I'm really excited about because we're going to talk about one of your favorite bands, the Dixie Chicks, known as, known as the Chicks. Um, I have to say, I didn't know who they were until Mimi introduced them to me once again. Sean. Oh, that's Sean, even I know who they are. That was and that's saying something. 
and and that's the way of the world. Um, and she's like, I can't believe you haven't heard of these guys, but we ended up listening to it on the car ride all the way from Ithaca to Baltimore <laughs> without, without a stop, without a heartbeat. Um, and I have to tell you, one of the funniest stories that I remember from doing like a listening thing is we listened to uh, uh, Goodbye Earl. Or yeah. That's the name of the song. And I really didn't understand the premise of the song. So I, I stopped her and I said, what is actually happening in this song? And she goes, and just played it again for me. Yeah. And I, I still don't get it. And she's like, okay, so it's this guy that they meet and, you know, they're friends in college. And I'm like, she's basically reciting the whole song. And I'm like, oh, and I was like, it's just like a personal friend that they had or something. And she's like, yeah, you say that it was so interesting the music is so personal which i love and i think it's it's awesome that you brought this piece to us today so who introduced the chicks to you um again most of these songs are songs that i've been listening to from in the car as a kid and they've just been the songs that i love to go back and sing and listen to because they just bring back awesome memories of being in the car with my family and going places um, and so this song um, I mentioned earlier was the first song I ever performed um, live um, mm. for an audience or anything. Um, and uh, it, it was the first time I'd ever been on stage with lights and had like a legitimate audience in a theater. Mm. Um, I was, I was in first grade. So no, second grade, something like that. And there was a talent show in the town over and it was a big deal. And I had auditioned the year before with Oops, I Did It Again. And they told me that was really inappropriate. <laughs> so I didn't get in. <laughs> um, and I was like, I'm never going to be a singer. I thought I was meant to be Britney Spears. Um, and it was crushing. But my mom's like, next year, pick something that you can really sing and that's more appropriate. <laughs> and so I, I sang a lot of Dixie Chicks because we had the album in the car and this song just felt like, I don't know, I just resonated with it when I was that age. And I just remember thinking how I was going to go off and I was going to say goodbye to my mom in the car because I was going to go be a country singer and all these things. And so I sang the song. Um, I found my love for being on stage. I mean, I figured I would love it, but I have terrible stage fright and I did at the time. And I just remember like freaking out before and then walking out on stage and it was like, Oof. the world is gone and you're ready to sing and that's how i feel today truly yeah. and so it's just a song that reminds me of being a little tiny performer and feeling like i was the dixie chicks or leon rhymes or somebody um and yeah i just think that it resonated with me a lot as a kid and it still kind of does about like spreading your wings basically right i think it's interesting because there's a video that I found of this where all the fans sing along with them. And it's, it's really powerful to watch because you can just sort of see the, the powerful, or not the powerful, the, the, the power that music can bring to people. You, it brings people together. And of course, the only uh, people I see in, in this video are women. But, I mean, I did see one man in, in the whole video. But I, I wanted to mention that there, there is a power to bringing people together through music. Um, and I think Chicks did that really well. 
there was a community that, that, that they brought together. Did you feel like that when, when you were singing their music? Yeah, I did. And I mean, all of my friends listened to the Dixie Chicks at the time. And my cousins and I would sing it even in my grandma's car. Like my whole family um, would sing. And like my mom's side of the family, there's there, she's the only musician. And so for my family on my mom's side to sing with me in the car, that was like crazy. Um, but we love seeing the Dixie Chicks because they just felt like, it's like how we feel about pop singers now. They're like idols and they're like superstars, amazing. I want to be one of them. Um, and that's how it felt like with the Dixie Chicks. I just thought that they were super cool and they were musicians. Like the fact that two of them are playing instruments and one of them is singing, like that was just cool because it wasn't just one singer. It was they were a group like they complete each other and I wanted that so bad I was like, somebody's gonna be my fiddler <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I don't know I feel like they had an awesome following they still do have an awesome following um mm. and I think that they stand up for what they believe in and that speaks a lot of the words sometimes I think that's really cool and something you briefly mentioned I want to touch on really quickly because you said that there's there's so many genres of music out there. But when people think of country, they really associate it with hillbillies and sort of like, kind of like honky-tonky honky maybe sometimes. But when you really think about it, country can be very personal to a, a lot of people because basically country is sort of talking about life experiences within like what's happening. I think it's really important to mention um do you want to talk about that a little more because i know you were mentioning it at, during your bio section you want to talk about about that a little more? yeah i think one of the big reasons i i listen to country and i like to sing it is because i feel like i'm a storyteller um and so they tell stories and a lot of them are relatable it's not i've got this new pair of shoes 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 <laughs> um, you know like i feel like there's depth in the storytelling and it like i mean wide open spaces it's a story it's like who doesn't know what i'm talking about like they're talking to you they're they're telling a story and um i like like singing about something and i think i think a lot of country music is about trucks and girls getting in their trucks and gear. <laughs> but <laughs> i think there's a lot of music in in the country realm that number one has so much soul and feeling and emotion and the storytelling is personal. Um, it's, and it's relatable. So I don't know, people feel very differently than I do about this. But like you said, your dad thought I was an older person. So maybe people are just not listening to the right time. You know? <laughs> I think that is a hundred percent true. And I'm gonna move on to who's gonna talk about the next song. All right, well, just to your point, if anyone looked at the my playlist, it's full of like uh, like Helen O'Connell and Glenn Miller and Benny Goodman. So they would think I was at least 80 years old. So, you know, I completely get, yeah. I, I know the, the misconception. Um, but your next song is uh, Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton. And I'll admit, I didn't really know who he was prior to listening to the song. I think I've heard the song somewhere, but I couldn't really tell you where. Um, is this one of the same song, like in, you were introduced to it the same way? Uh, no, 
Actually, oh no, good, okay. I know, <laughs> sorry, I know, I tell the same story all, all over again. But no, not with this one. Um, when I was student teaching, this song was introduced to me by um, the person I was student teaching with, Kim. And she is kind of like me when she's, when she's stressed out or whatever, she plays the piano and sings with herself, or like playing. And um, she was like, have you heard this song? Because of what you like, I feel like you'd really like this song. And at the time I was not listening to country music. So I hadn't heard it um, and I wasn't familiar and I'm still not even super familiar with um, the artist. I just love the song and it is a memory for me. Music is just always a memory for me, um, truly. And so the reason I liked it was because it was gritty. Mm. I liked that it had a lot of soul to it. I liked that it had a groove to it, um, like a hard, like, you were just like in it. It was awesome. Um, I felt like he's one of those singers, um, like the Zach Brown band, like that like sings with their body and their soul. And I felt like in that song, he's totally singing. Also, it has these crazy runs in the chorus. And I feel like, oh, sorry. And I feel like it, they don't hear runs like that all the time. And so he's doing all these like flips around. And I was like, that's what I do in opera and I like it. And I like that he's doing it. Um, and so that was a big like, that's me up with that one because I love a good run. Um, so I just, it's just one of those songs and we ended up singing it together and just kind of, and that's kind of what I like about it. Okay. I mean, I, well, you know, it's funny, you, you know, you mentioned about how there's some similarity to, to opera and what he's doing. And it's funny if you think about like yodeling, right? It's a very specific skill, which, you know, some people don't take seriously, but it is a skill. It's a talent that people have to refine. It's very difficult, but the techniques are actually very similar in certain ways, the control necessary, the vocal range necessary in order to be able to do opera and to be able to do something like yodeling. And I can't help but wonder if it's because there's like maybe a, a connection um, in between country and classical music. Like, I don't know how much our listeners know about the origin of country music, but you know, it developed a very specific way and from a very specific place, like most country music, it's sort of a combination of um, country, well, no, sorry, my bad. It's a country is from a lot of old Irish music combined with black spirituals. Um, and obviously opera doesn't seem like it would be connected with that, but music essentially is, comes from the simple, not the simple folk, but the common people, right? So I'm just curious if you have any, uh, any thoughts about how you might connect your two various loves, your opera and your and your country, which don't seem at all connected, but when you're singing, you're like, they're not so different. For me, I don't think, I don't think it's very different at all because it, it's powerful. It has to be sung with good technique. Otherwise you're gonna lose your voice. Um, if you don't have, if you don't understand resonation and, and breath support and all things, you won't have an, an agile voice. You won't be able to sing those crazy runs. You have to be somebody who understands the mechanism and classical singers 
know the mechanism. They have to, to understand it. And I think a lot of country singers are trained, are, are more trained. And so that's where you get that run from. They are understanding of what their instrument can do and what it maybe can't do, um, how to push it and how to pull it back. And I think, I think that's why I like both because it seems like they both know how to just give it all and also not give it all. Um, where sometimes in pop music, it's, you don't have to be able to give it all because you can whisper into a microphone and it's gonna have this aura thing or this, like, like I think of Billie Eilish specifically. She sings so quietly into a microphone. I swear, she must sing so quietly because of the sound she produces. It's not a belty sound at all. Um, but country singers, you don't hear that a lot. A lot of them are really singing or mm. they're singing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, that's how I feel about opera too. And I think that's why I like them both. They're both emotional and they both give so much voice. Mm -hmm. I, I'm glad you said that because it's an observation. Actually, we were talking about this, I don't know, maybe a couple of days ago, but we were watching a live performance of somebody. My sister saw something on Instagram and we both said the same thing that opera singers and country music singers are really the two who sound best when performing live because like you said, that's what they do. It's, it's, it's part of their, uh, their genre. It's part of their performance technique. Opera singers usually aren't even mic'd on stage, you know, if they're in like the major opera houses, because it's not the way they're trained. The houses are built for it and they're trained to be able to project in that way. Country music, I imagine is probably similar, right? It, it was born out of common man's need to express himself. So, they certainly weren't hooking them up to an amp at the time and, you know, broadcasting to a Woodstock level uh, audience. So it's, it's, isn't it funny how all of that can really come together? Uh, Definitely. Even though one might like, not like one genre, but like the other, you can still say that there are so many similarities between the two. Yep. And uh, another completely different, well, not completely different, but a similar genre I will let Sean, talk about with the next song from your list. I'm sick, so excited to talk about this next artist because honestly, the only song I know of his, I mean, and actually I did know this song before I, I, I looked at his iconic, well, his iconography, um, his, his disc, his discography, I should say. Um, I got to check out, um, well, the listen, the song we're going to listen to, we're going to talk about is uh, Faith by George Michael. And the only song that I knew when I was like maybe in high school was Careless Whisper. And the only reason why I knew that was because of the sax solo. Uh, <laughs> I think is definitely a meme in itself. Yes. But um, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, so was, was, was George Michael, again, someone you heard when you were younger or was it someone you heard when you were older? Um, so he was somebody I started hearing as a young teenager. Um, my dad, goes through phases of music and he's the main person I ride in the car with when we listen to music. Um, and so he bought an album and he was like, I think you're going to like this guy. He makes his own music. A lot of this music is, is solely made by him, um, which is super cool. And I hadn't really, didn't really know what that meant at the time, but he's like, yeah, he produces this. Um, so that's what my dad told me. That's, that's where I'm at. Um, <laughs> but he played me, um, Faith 
it's the first it was the first song on the album mm. i just remember the windows being down and being like i've heard this like on the radio or something and i knew all the words and i'm somebody who wants to hear a song once and all the words so i was like okay i like this and i liked i just liked how it went and how it felt in my body and it's kind of one of those songs that you just i keep saying it like groove rock with but it's just one of those ones that it's just happy it feels good mm -hmm. um and i started listening to that album on my own outside of the car and i just loved his music and i liked that it was kind of edgy it it kind of went in a direction i've never heard music like he has a song all about sex and it's <laughs> all about sex and i i was a teenager and i was like this is so scandalous oh my god <laughs> but the um but the music was just like so hip and so like fitting with with what year it was, but also like a past. And I thought it was cool. And it had an extended section to the song. And I thought that was the, like the coolest thing ever. I, I hadn't heard of that yet. Then I met Justin Timberlake and uh, I learned all about that extended section of the song. Um, and so I just, I just loved the music and it, it just made me feel like dancing. So, I mean, I just thought this is awesome. And when you asked me to do this, I was like, this is those songs that's still on my playlist today that I just love to sing with and harmonize with. So, yeah. So I want to mention uh, who don't know George Michael. Uh, George Michael was an English singer, uh, songwriter, record producer, and philanthropist who rose to fame as a member of the music duo Wham! And then later embarked on his solo career Michael sold over 80 million records worldwide, making him the best-selling music artist of all time. Why he's so damn successful? Pretty cool. Wait, say that again. Did you say something else? Why is he so damn successful? I just think, I just think he knows what people like. I think he's got a great ear. You know, somebody like that, or I think of another person who's like that is like Michael Jackson. Just the music is just so fitting for any time like it doesn't have it doesn't sound like necessarily the 80s or something you could listen to it any day and still be rocking with it like anybody could be like this is cool who's True. this artist like that's i feel like that's his, his music you're like this just fits all the time it's just innovative i think yeah. well katie i am going to assage your mind right now to let you know that we have an instagram and we have a Twitter. Our Instagram is MusicSpeaks underscore podcast. And our uh, Twitter is at MusicSpeaks underscore pod, if you're interested in that. But I want to let you know about that. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check out your next five songs, and we will be right And we're back, my friend Katie Condi and Hunter Zagona and myself. And the next segment we're going to get into is a fast theory quiz for one minute uh, of theory practice. Uh, Katie, are you ready to take on our one-minute theory quiz? Sure. <laughs> she said with confidence. Right on. I want to promise you the next time I see you, I will owe you a beer and an appetizer. The Sounds next time like I see you, if you win. So if you get through the whole minute, 
of 15 questions. We will rock it. Here we go. Whenever you, Hunter, are you ready with the timer? Ready. All right. Three, two, one. Okay. What is enharmonic to C sharp? I don't know. I don't remember. I'm to C sharp. Yes. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to think about this. Think. Think about the same note. Oh, or, sorry. D flat. Yes, that, that is correct. All right. I was thinking Next about question. a scale. I was no, like, no, it's okay. No, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, what is the natural minor of F major? D sharp minor. So close. No, D. D, that's correct. Okay. What mode is after Lydian? I don't know. Mixolydian. That is correct. Wow. The major key has four sharps. E. That is correct. What minor, what minor key has three flats? Oh, God. E. G. So no. close. G flat? So no. close. I don't know. I don't know. Think. <laughs> think, think E flat, D, and then. C. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Um. The... Oh, no. Okay. Right. Yeah, I went the opposite <laughs> way. I went. <laughs> I went up instead of down. That was the issue. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? That, that's it. <laughs> Well, Katie, thank you for playing our fast theory quiz. The next time I see you, I will owe you a beer. So I'll let Hunter take over the one of the last songs you would want to talk about today. Cool. All right. So the last one that you chose to talk about here is uh, I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. And she's clearly more of a pop artist, but what other genres... Um, or artists do you hear as an influence in her work? Because it's not, it's clearly not just pop, even though I hate the term pop. <laughs> I think it's country and rock, I think, and soul. I think she's all over the map. Um, her, she sounds like honky-tonkish half the time um, in her guitar. Her guitar color, I think, sounds country. Um, so when you were like, she's clearly pop, I was like, really? I feel like she's country. But she's also rock, um, and that's that's the reason I love her is that she's kind of everything um, in one, and she's a kick-ass lady. Um, <laughs> she really slays on the guitar, and she sings with a really unique color, and it's maybe not like the prettiest, but it's it's a storytelling voice that has power, and I like that. Obviously, I keep saying I like storytellers, so. I like that about her music. And I think a lot of her songs, again, are really relatable and they're a little edgy, I think. Oh, you definitely get that, especially from the, uh, if you're watching the music video that goes with it. Um, <laughs> but uh, another, this is another song you chose and that's on the, the slower tempo. And do you feel this, because a couple of your songs have been of a slower tempo. Do you feel that helps you connect with the song more? Or do you feel like it's just happenstance? I think it allows me to connect. I think a lot of times ballads are just slow and I feel like mm -hmm. I sing ballads the best. I, I don't think I'd make it as a pop singer because I don't like to sing music where I'm not really singing and holding out big notes and singing high and ripping around runs and stuff like that. I think, um, and ballads do that. I mean, you can really just let it all out and sing big notes. And I think, especially in this song, um, you can't make me love, you can't make, 
what? I can't <laughs> what make if, you love me? I can't make, I was like, you can't make me love you. <laughs> this um, isn't, it's not making any sense. <laughs> that song um, just allows you to sing and be sad and sing. And I like to be sad and sing, which sounds really weird, but <laughs> I feel like it's, it's meditative for me to bring my emotion into my voice. Mm -hmm. That's very, that's very cool. I mean, it's, 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 you know, not to say sadness is good because nobody wants to be sad, but there is a certain therapy, you know, it's sort of therapeutic in a way, a cathartic to be able to express one's emotions in that way. And I think, you know, people, they want that. We've had a couple of guests who have talked about, they, they like to cry while listening to music and it sounds funny, doesn't it? But it's, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know who it is. <laughs> Does she? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Sean's like, I'm gonna be careful what I say. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's true. I think people do enjoy that release of emotion because we don't do that in everyday, in everyday goings on, and that's a partially it's cultural, right? We as a culture, that's like a whole sociological argument we don't need to get into. But they say that you know, Anglo-Saxon-based culture, like we are. Uh, because our society is derived from British society, over time has been taught to sort of hold their emotions in. Whereas a lot of Mediterranean culture, they don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, when you notice while you were over in Italy, you know, it's, it's a different atmosphere. Um, people are often more outwardly emotional than they are if you say went to maybe Britain or even if just being here, even if people are maybe more inherently outwardly friendly here i i hesitate to say <laughs> as you experienced from the surprisingly nice music shop guy yep i think well and it's funny because you said like well you were in like italians or they show their emotion but being in the home of my um teacher her husband is italian he's from florence she's from upstate new york and they're both very dry. They're like, why are you crying? <laughs> like we were talking about something really deep and I got emotional because I, I get emotional about music and stuff. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, clean it up, girl, let's go. <laughs> 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 There's work to do. And so it's, it's just interesting how different people handle their emotions and what they do with it. And for me, like music is, is my time to express myself. I have a hard mm -hmm. time in social settings expressing myself. It's like my time to scream, but not scream, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And part of it's generational, too, right? I mean, it's when you were raised, how you were raised, and music is a reflection of that. Very clearly, music of different generations expresses things differently. I don't know that, you know, I don't know how well the older generation would have taken to George Michael's song all about sex. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they would have liked it. I, I don't know. But my guess is they probably would have been like, you know, oh, no, get away. But it's very cool. And I, I really, I'm sure Sean thinks the same thing. But thank you so much for your playlist. It gave us a lot of good insight. And I hope you enjoyed talking about it as well. Yes, I did. I was a little bit nervous. But it was actually really fun to talk about it and have tell my stories and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's sort of why we do it is to give people that opportunity and share the love of music and is there anything else you want to say before we close out the show no i just think that what you guys are doing is super cool and 
um, really important right now. Like I know for me in quarantine as a singer and as a teacher, I am struggling to find my motivation and feel inspired. Like I did as a kid, like I don't feel that right now. And, um, and stuff like this, like just talking about it, I was like, I'm going to go sing after this because I want to, and I need to, it feels like my body's like, it's your time, girl. Um, <laughs> go cry. <laughs> and like, I think you guys doing this is, is only helping people at home and um, in their lives to find, find the joy and find the good. Cause this is amazing. Like you guys are really lifting people up and showing off all these different people. Like I'm sure I'm super different than other people you've talked to um, just because I come from a way different place in general. So um, I think it's awesome that you guys are doing this and you're just, you're lifting people up. I love that. Well, thanks Katie. We really appreciate your time. Like Hunter said, and uh, we'll see you next time. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. And you've been listening to Music Speaks, a podcast for lovers of music everywhere. Next time, we will sit down with Aaron Burgess, who will discuss his love of classical music and wind band repertoire. That's it for me. I'm Sean McCunis. And I'm Hunter Sagona. And keep listening to what you love. <laughs>